0: It feels lonely to be a CEO. Let me tell you something, you are not alone in this journey. To make it easier and more impactful, you only need the correct tools, expert guides, and a community of business leaders like you. Welcome to the ImpactX Podcast, the space for business leaders who want to create more impact in their business while reducing personal and professional drama. Hi, I'm Daniel Marcos, CEO of the Growth Institute, an entrepreneur for more than 20 years, and CEO coach for more than 12. Through my journey, I have met and learned from great CEOs and business leaders, and I will invite them here to get to know them and learn from the best. Ready? ready, ready. Let's impact Tech your company and life. Good morning, good afternoon, or good night, depending on what part of the world you're visiting us. Hi, I'm Daniel Marcos, your host of the Learning of Podcast and CEO of Growth Institute. And I'm here with a really, really good friend, Andy Bailey. How are you, Andy? Very good,
1: brother. How are you doing? Great to see you. It's been too long. It's been too long yeah uh, so it's it's good we have this excuse,
0: so we could meet uh, and talk yeah. a little bit. We already had twenty or so minutes before we start recording. Uh, it's always great to see you. Let me do a quick introduction uh for everyone that does know you, and then we'll go into the questions so um Andy has uh learned to build great organizations and has scaled two or three really big organizations you're going to hear from him numbers, discipline uh process on how to really scale companies um. Uh, He has had a couple of Inc. 500, multimillion dollar companies, um, and then, of course, growing it and selling it. And we'll talk a little bit about the process of selling. Um, When I started Scaling Up around 15 years ago, that's when also Andy uh, came into uh, Scaling Up, and he founded Petra Coach in partnership with with Gasels and Scaling Up, of course, and, and has helped thousands of companies implement the methodology and scale. We we're talking a little bit about our coaching days. Uh, you're, right. you're going to get surprised about that uh, when we talk a little bit about that. Um, and it's all based on the scaling up or off of Friedheim's methodology. Um, and, and he has also been on the sell side of 28 transactions, helping his clients scale and sell the company. Um, and has uh, those 20 transactions have been in the middle nine-figure number. So, hey, Andy, how are you thanks for being here
1: i'm doing great i keep my clock right here so i know what time it is too <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome hey um first we we're talking about planning sessions you and i have been doing a lot of planning sessions for over 10 years and you just got your number how many planning day planning sessions you've done in your
1: in your life yeah we we're i was um part of what we do at petra is that we we measure progress this is a learning podcast and there's nothing greater than experience to give you knowledge and skills you have to experience it you know do it in order to gain the knowledge so we measure we measure a lot of things but one of the things we measure are the number of days our coaches are in the room with teams of people doing this work because that gives them experience and that means that they're more skillful and we can put them into higher and more challenging uh, situations so Um, they sent my number the other day. We go through it on a regular basis and there, we have coaches at 200 and coaches at 300. We have very few over 500 and then I'm over, my number was 1180, 1180 days in a room with a group of people doing this work over the last 12 years. So it's kind of easy to look back on. That's crazy.
0: So how many, uh, 10,000 hour rule is that like 20,000 hour rule?
1: Yeah. Um, You're getting into, you know, almost almost double the number. And I've learned something every single time I'm in there. I I had experience this past week where I'm working with an organization from Canada who's doing a buy and build strategy where they've moved from the operational excellence of their own company up into a holding business. And the holding business is now going out and purchasing uh, similar organizations, utilizing what we worked with them over a decade to build. And, and putting it in there and getting some scale from that, as well as getting some efficiencies through that process. So, you know, I learned a ton because it's, it's just like the next level, right? You, you build your foundation and what do you do next? And this organization has chosen to go do acquisitions as a strategy for growth in the future. So that whole, you know, two full days in with just the leadership team from the holding company, not operational. There's only six of them at this level, but they're, you know, they have, one acquisition under their belt, and there's a couple more coming in the next two months. And just the process of what do you have to go do when you buy a company, and from an integration standpoint, and from it's just a lot to learn. So and the learning never stops. You know, as long as you put yourself in a little bit more challenging situation outside of your comfort zone, then you're going to actually gain that knowledge.
0: And, and we were talking before the, we started recording about speaking engagements. How few people really have. 10,000 hours on stage, and you're really on stage for 20,000 hours uh, just with the coaching. So whenever you go on stage, uh, uh, that also translates the learning into other ways, like, like, like speaking, keynote, and the rest. Um, so, so what's your biggest learning that you've gained from those learnings that you took into, into speaking and being on stage?
1: Well, it's a little bit philosophical when you ask me what's my biggest learning. The, the one thing that comes to mind is confidence in myself. So I think I think um, you know I see it with other coaches and you know we have twenty something coaches in our organization and you know they they come in very confident you know they were a you know they were a, they, they like me owned a company built a company operated it well had some success you know went through you know the magical process of exit like everybody you know a lot of everybody but a lot of people chase. Um, and they, they come in with a lot of confidence. Like I got this, but then really quickly you know, and, and I talked to them about it. I'm like, you don't got this, like you may have had that, but you don't have this, right? This is a completely different animal. And and you have to go through the process of doing it just like you did in your own business. You had to go through the process of building it to learn and have the experience and then get to the other side. You got to go through the process and coaching as well. So, um, the one thing that I've learned over the course of time is just confidence in myself that I, I, I kind of know what I'm doing and it took me 20,000 hours of doing it to be able to say that. And at the same time, I have a hell of a lot to learn. Like I, I know that as well. Today I realized,
0: um, they were, they were talking about 15 years of coaching companies and I said, I'm ashamed of how bad implementations I did 15 years ago. Oh the Methodology. The methodology was working. It was just my delivery of it and 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 what I've learned on how to do it right. Uh, and it, it really it's a big difference. And I love this story. Uh this year we start coaching a very um proud entrepreneur. Let, let me say it that way. And because of calendar I could just be one day. I couldn't be for the two days. So I went with another coach He's very, he's not that young, he's in his 40s, but he looks like a kid. He's very thin and looks very young. And I left him to do the second day. So I leave the room and I was traveling, whatever. And then the second day I started getting texts from one person in the room saying, hey, the CEO is destroying your coach. And he's been very aggressive. Please call in so you could kind of get in the middle. And I was like, no, that's part of the job. He's going to handle it well. Yeah, That's it. And he was like, but you don't understand. He's destroying him. And I said, that's his job. He needs to figure out how to keep the client happy. And I'm not going to call. And I didn't call. And the, after the the, the, all the issue, the CEO called me and said, I gained a lot of respect for your coach. Because I grilled him. And he defended himself really well. He managed the meeting really well. And he gained my trust and the rest of the team. So happy working with him. And that was it.
1: it the-
0: He's been nine years coaching me. He's been nine years doing probably 40, 50 plane sessions a year.
1: It's, it's difficult to, when we have new coaches show up and you do the same thing. And it's just, it's a diff, very difficult thing to explain. And I just call it standing in the fire. Like you have to just, you just have to stand there and sometimes you get burned. Like it's, it, it, it's not like you can leave. So,
0: so mean now let's go to you as an entrepreneur. Uh, You're an amazing entrepreneur. You've scaled several companies. What's your most important lessons uh, for entrepreneurs
1: on how to really approach business and scale business? Yeah, um, I'll I'll talk about personal learnings first, and then these personal learnings. What's interesting about me personally and about you, Daniel, as a coach, and and it's not true of most coaches. Like, there's no other. Well, that's not true. There's one other coach on our team is we are actually scaling our own businesses, having the same experience as the founder leader of a business while we're actually working with somebody else doing the exact same thing. And, and I don't, it's not replicatable in any other format. And and, and I'll tell you what I mean. And this is something I've learned. When and, and it's not untrue, what, what people say, what coaches say, even what Vern says, it's not untrue. And it's idealistic. So we will have a coach who says, and I can hear them in the planning days or on calls or, you know, in messages who will tell people, well, you really should be doing this. Like uh, we'll use a really simple example and one that that we know to be true constantly. You know, you really should fire that person. You really (laughs) should fire that. That's an easy decision to make when you're not the person who has to go hire the next one and train them up and get them up to speed and, and it's true that we probably should hire that, per- fire that person, but it's an idealistic statement without the context of the shit you got to go through to get that done. Right. So it's those are the types of things that, that I've learned is that business and life is just really difficult. It is not clean or straight lined or idealistic in any form or fashion. There are ideals and there are best practices. And all of those are incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. So that um, emphasizing with the party, the, the person that you're working with, so the leadership team or the leader themselves, having empathy for them at a level that unless you've done it, or in our case, actually still doing it, you can't get. And I watch even my own coaches, they sell their company, 3 years later, 5 years later, 7 years later they're coaching. They have yeah. forgotten how hard it was. They don't remember that part. It their history becomes an ideal story in and of itself. When we all know it was a pile of shit. Yep. Yeah. It was just a pretty pile of shit and it had a pretty story at the end, right? And, and cuz all of our stories are like that. Anyway, that's a big chunk of what I've learned. People are really important. Um, the scaling of people are really important, growing the individual or the team, not just in scale or size, but in knowledge and skill along the path. Hugely important. Um, you know, my own business has outgrown people. Your businesses have outgrown people. They will continue to always outgrow people. We will have to turn them over. It's that people side is the most complex side of business. Um, many times it's the most expensive side, either from opportunity costs or from direct costs. Um Myself personally, one thing I've learned about myself is I'm about a 10 year entrepreneur. Like I like to start and create and grow things to a particular point. Once it's operational, I don't like it anymore. Like I want to go on to the next thing. I need I need a challenge. I need a little bit of chaos. I need puzzles to figure out. I, I need stuff to be excited about. I need something to go hunt every day. And when, you know, when a business, when I've built it to a point where it's just kind of a machine, which is what we do with companies, is help them build stuff to a point of being a machine. Um, So we're good at it internally. I get bored with it. And when I get bored, it's not fun for me.
0: Okay. um, I have a couple of other two subjects that I want to go. So I'm going to move. Um, You're a no BS person. Yeah, very much. the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I love and respect that of you. You can't imagine how much. Um, how do you bring that to business? And, and and what do your clients really appreciate from it and what they feel, not offended, but kind of attack or uncomfortable by it?
1: Well, they always feel uncomfortable. Um, uh, I'll give you a simple example. This This holding company that we're working with today So and I've worked with one of the companies that's now the holding company for like a decade. So they know me. The companies that they want to purchase uh, through acquisition, they'll come and they'll meet me and they'll do a planning day because they wanted to see what they're getting into. And just last week, one of the companies that they just purchased, it's time for us to now go start working with them. It'll be in July or whatever. Um, And I won't go do it. It'll send another coach but these guys you know that i worked with for the last decade who now know me they said to me those guys that that you, that you got to start working with they are scared of you they're scared of you now i don't know what to be like i can't hurt them in any way hell they hired me it's like like i can't do anything to them that would be fearful in any way but i do believe that a coach a good coach has to have the ability to call bs on a company and or an individual. And I think that they have to do that for two reasons. We want them and we need them, the individual in the room that we work with, we need them to want to do the work for us and for the company and for themselves. But we have to be in that ecosystem of, I don't want to let down my coach. I don't want to, I told him I was going to do it, I'm a little bit afraid if I don't, he's going to call me out. Therefore, I do a little bit more, and the company's more successful, and they're more successful at the exact same time. But if we don't set that up that way, then we don't get that end result. So that's kind of the the piece that comes in there. And we don't if you if we see something that's that's BS, like I can't walk it. past it. it not. It's impossible for me not to call it out.
0: What is the right process or timing to get ready to sell, and what do you recommend someone that really wants to maximize
1: the value of the company? Yeah, Um, I mean, there's a hundred answers to that question. You want to—I mean, the the simple answer and the difficult one to swallow is you want to sell a business when it's doing really well, not when it's not doing well, right? Like, but usually when it's doing really well, everybody's happy and they're making money. Versus when it's not doing well, they're pissed off at it, they don't want it anymore, so they want to get rid of it. So if you want to maximize value. First of all, think about exiting a business, if it is from a sale perspective, to do it when, it's, when, it's, you know, when you're doing really well. And then, and we've started doing some of this work. Um, pick a date in the future, three years. Th- that's usually what we see. I want to move this business in three years. All right, well, what's your number? We want to figure out what the number is. I mean, I want whatever the number is at exit, at, you know, pre-tax, post-tax, whatever. And then we come back and we build an a out of that particular number. We figure out what the multiple needs to be. We get a higher multiple if we do these things or a smaller multiple if we do these things. And we can kind of figure out what we need to do and actually to get to get there. But most all, and I can almost confidently say all businesses are not at any given moment ready to actually sell. I'll give you a simple example. This is the simplest one I can think of um, copies of all contracts in the last five years. Your diligence process is going to ask you for copies of all contracts in the last five years. Of course. You as the owner of the business or the leadership team are like, shit, why don't they need a contract from five years ago? doesn't matter why they need it. You need it in your disclosure document to protect you because you gave them the information. Yep. Where are all your contracts? They're probably spread all over the place or they're who, God only knows. So gathering the data and creating a database, whether that be Dropbox or Box or wherever you want to keep it, but getting a diligence process already created before diligence starts. The process of diligence itself will expose things that need to be done before you go sell, and that will increase your enterprise value. Now, the work that we do sometimes gets into this particular area. But the simple work we do around Rockefeller habits and the habits of scaling up actually add increased enterprise value for this single reason, many more, but mostly for this single reason, redundancy and leadership. If you are the one selling the business and you are the one that can't be replaced, your business is not sellable.
0: So, so how long before someone wants to sell their business, you help them prepare? Three years, two years, five years? What's, what's
1: the optimal? Depends the on the current situation of the organization. So depends on those factors. I want this. This is my EBITDA. we got to grow it. working on one right now that wants $100 million at exit, and we got to get the EBITDA to a certain point to get it there. Like, and there's lots of ways to do that. We can do it internally through organic growth. We can do it through some small acquisitions. Like, There's ways to do it. But if the EBITDA needs to be at whatever the multiple is, To get you to your number, we have to back into all the things that need to happen outside of the tactical pieces of redundancy and leadership, making sure that you have all your documentation in the right place. Are you gap or not gap? Do you you run off gap or do you not run off gap? Like, how are you reporting your numbers? There are certain things that need to be in order that make the process smoother and not just the process, but the evaluation higher. I have watched meetings happen with PE, in this case, where we would go through the meeting. PE is going to be the investor. Company A is going to be the, the seller, right? So okay. PE is going to buy. They're going to do a roll of 30% of some number like that. Yep. We would go through the meeting and review the business structure, go through the one-page plan. We would go through priorities. We would show them a line in the software. and a, like We'd go through all of that. And they already had a multiple. So they, they had an LOI in place. And the PE firm increased the multiple one full term, one full point at the end of that meeting, simply because we had all that structure in place. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's a that's a, if you're if you're making $2 million a year in EBITDA, that's a $2 million extra payout you get just because we did this work and putting in a one-page plan with all the detail around it, long-term plans, KPIs, using software to track it. The things that you and I go do every single day, I watched that happen in a room with a PE firm. We're going to give you one more turn on that yeah.
0: because it's so clean that so it's-
1: I-, I can literally fold it up and hand it to Daniel and say, "Go follow the manual." Right.
0: Um, so, so question here: You and I talk about strategic sales, and so we've we've helped several of our companies have strategic sales. I have a session tomorrow. Indeed, I'm in in, in Monterey today flying to Mexico See, they have a two-day strategy session to a company wants to sell in three years and we're going to uh, start talking about strategic sale and Rembrandts in the attic and all that. How do you help them identify those Rembrandts and, and the buyers? Uh, how do you help them go through a strategy session for it?
1: Well, if... Uh... If we've been coaching them for a while, it's a pretty easy process because we already identified that stuff you know early on, and we know their business well enough. If we've never been in the room with them, you know we're going to ask them some pretty straightforward simple questions. What is it that makes you different from your competitor? Well, we you know we have a lower price. Well, tell me what makes your price lower? Well, we're able to source from this place. Well, tell me about that. Well, we own the mine. okay, let's go there so you actually own the mine where the ore comes from to produce this thing oh and you push it through dubai to do the smelt thing like there's there like you don't know any of this stuff if you're brand new to the room full of people but they know it but you have to start in my opinion uh, with very simple questions what makes you different than your competitor why do your customers actually come back and repeat business with you why do they care about working with if you weren't here at all how would that affect the marketplace you can't just say, what do you guys do that's going to create more value to a buyer? Like they don't know, they don't know, but you know, if you ask the right questions to get to that little kind of rabbit hole to the thing that's going to make them more valuable. And then you have to go match that up to somebody that gives a shit about that. Right. And last question. What are the three mistakes
0: that people do in the
1: process of selling a business? Go too fast. Um, they don't get multiple looks. So, you know, three LOIs would probably be a good number. You know, you need to get three and I'm not saying you need to use them against each other. Um, but you need to have a comparison. So, you know, and then, um, and this one's kind of important, I think and I talked to a guy this morning and I use this same analogy and I have to remind myself of this um, from time to time. And this is not mine. Somebody gave it to me at some point. And the, the question was, will it matter in 25 years? <laughs> so when you're making a decision, so when I have to make a decision, sometimes I'll go back to will it matter in 25 years? So if, if I'm looking at something as and you know, letter of intent, one says this number, and letter of intent two says this number, and then letter of intent three has this much larger number, but I know that this one is a good fit, and this one's just gonna be a damn mess, but I get to take another 8 million bucks off the table at the end of the day after taxes. I need to make a 25-year decision on that because I gotta sleep with myself for the next 25 years, and that variable of number I mean, money ain't gonna make you happy. So make sure you make a good choice. And this is just a personal kind of viewpoint on this. There are plenty of people that would take the money. And that's, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying anything bad about them. That's just their choice, but going too fast, making sure you have enough offers. And then think about which one is gonna do the right thing long-term. All right. Love it, amigo! It's always a pleasure. Uh, love
0: of great learnings, uh, amazing uh, learnings, and it, as you said, it's it's you've been you've been in the trenches. Not just scaling other people's companies, scaling your company at the same time, and and that keeps your your, your feet on the ground and really uh, be aligned with it. So thank you very much. Uh, learned a lot, as always. A pleasure to see you. Uh, you and thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, brother thank you for joining us for one more episode of impact Tech's podcast don't forget to follow me in youtube and instagram i'm constantly sharing content and tools for you to become the best version of yourself i'm daniel marcos see you soon, see you, see you soon.